three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And folks, tonight is an extremely special night. We've got a great guest. And as all of you know, I am a huge and very passionate fan of music. And our guest uh, on this episode has produced some of my favorite music that I've ever listened to. He's produced music for Yoko Ono, Jason Mraz, Modest Yahoo, Steel Pulse, Third World, Toots and the Maytals, Kelly Clarkson, and many, many more. But on top of that, uh, he's the mastermind, co-founder, and producer uh, at Easy Star Records and uh, works with the Easy Star All-Stars. It's his gig. And uh, through those entities, he's developed a unique musical genre taking classical albums and reimagining them as reggae. His production, Dub Side of the Moon, uh, it's a reggae version of obviously Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, is one of the best-selling independent reggae releases of the 21st century and has been praised by Pink Floyd guitarist and vocalist David Gilmour. He has also composed works for The Big Bang Theory, CSI New York, Doctor Who, Hawaii Five O, Prison Break, and True Hollywood Story. There's not much this guy hasn't done when it comes to music. We're going to talk about all that and so much more. So the bottom line is he's an amazing talent, and we're super excited to have him on the show. So please, without any further ado, please give a warm, no-outlet welcome to Michael Goldwasser. Michael, how are you? Uh, I'm great, Ethan. Uh, thank you so much for that, that wonderful intro, and I appreciate all the... Uh, applause from the audience as yeah, well oh they're they're going crazy here if you could see them the energy is it, it, you could just feel it i'm sure it's coming through that's great yeah yeah absolutely um so the the concept of uh you know remaking albums into uh reggae records is such an amazing one i'm a huge reggae fan and you've obviously got a huge background in music and we're going to go through all that but tell me help me understand why reggae in other words all these great albums that you've remade what what brought you to reggae as being the go-to genre that you you know kind of encapsulated your love for these these classic works okay well easy star records the label that i co- co-founded i mean we we found it to be a reggae label so while i love many different styles of music um and i listen to and produce and play and write many styles of music. Any, anything that's coming out on Easy Star Records is generally reggae or reggae adjacent. Okay. Um, so one of our missions with Easy Star was and is to expand the boundaries of reggae and therefore hopefully break down barriers between um, different genres of music break down the barriers in people's minds and consciousness about what music they could or should be listening to. Mm. Um, so when, and we found it actually to be very effective um, in the sense that we, we have anecdotally, you know, we've encountered Pink Floyd fans or rock fans who have said, I never listened to any reggae before. I never liked reggae. Right. Um, I thought that, Dub side of the moon would be terrible, but I actually like it, and now I'm into reggae. Um, so it's really very gratifying to 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 know that we can actually help expand people's minds because um, to me, music is shouldn't have 
labels on it um, or be classified as into different genres. It's just music that makes you feel good or, or makes you think or makes you dance or music that you don't happen to like. Um, but, you know, the, the music industry and the radio industry and then popular culture tends to try to force people into boxes. And so we're trying to, to um, you know, break down the walls of those boxes and just say, hey, let's listen to all kinds of music. Um, so, so that's why we, these albums that I have reinvented or reimagined, right. that, that's why we're using reggae for them because we are, that's what we specialize in as DD Star Records. Um, but really it's just about making good music and not, not about genre. I love that. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I've had many of my friends who've said the exact same thing about, you know, I turn them on to a lot of your records and they're just like, I can't believe how, you know, this sounds. And they're, and they're fans of all the albums because you pick amazing albums to, to recreate. So, so yeah, absolutely. So I think the first, uh, I think 1996 was Dubside. What made you pick that record in particular to start with? Okay, actually, we we started the label in 1996. Okay. Side of the Moon didn't come out until 2003. Thank you. Um, but um, the reason we picked up Dark Side of the Moon to reinterpret, uh, well, we weren't thinking of starting a whole series and making that one of the you know, the main things that we did, it was more that one of my partners in Easy Star and, and one of my co-founders, Lem Oppenheimer, he was a big Pink Floyd fan okay, um, and a big fan of Dark Side of the Moon. He said, you know, one year uh, in high school, he like listened to it every day or something like that. Right. Um, so he, he says he was just walking down the street one day and listening to Dark Side of the Moon on his Sony uh, Walkman. Yeah. No, what, what, okay, probably... Uh, what do they call the CD version of the Walkman? Oh, Discman. The, the Discman. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, we're old. Um, listening to the album on on CD on his Discman, and he just and we had already started Easy Star. We've been doing it for a few years and very immersed in reggae. And he just thought, "Wow, this could be kind of cool if it was uh, dubbed out or made into reggae." So he brought the idea to the rest of us, and I honestly was kind of skeptical because. I wasn't a big fan of Dark Side of the Moon. Not that I had anything against it. I just never, I never really like listened to the whole album all in one sitting. You know, I right. probably, I knew the big songs, but, but, um, and that also wasn't my intention in getting into producing reggae. I wasn't like thinking, oh, I want to make, uh, you know, tribute albums or cover albums. But once I sat down in my uh, little bedroom studio at the time and made an arrangement of uh, I think the first song I titled was Breathe and I thought wow this really could work um, and and the reasons that Dark Side of the Moon was translatable I mean there's many but one is that um, harmonically there's a that, you know there's a lot of songs in the album that kind of uh, just go between two chords back and forth for a while and that's also that's pretty common in reggae uh, the tempos were generally pretty slow which is good for reggae um, there was a lot of, um, already some, like, you know, there's a, sometimes a thin line between psychedelia and, and regadelia. So that made sense. And then lyrically, um, you know, Jamaica being a former British colony, you know, it has some kind of a British mindset. And, and so like, uh, and dark side of the moon 
having also such a, you know, because of Pink Floyd, um, coming from the British angle, you know, is somewhat relatable. And then a lot of themes are, are universal ideas about mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, time and money and insanity. And um, so we felt everyone could relate to it. So I think those are the reasons why we thought, why we chose it and why we thought it could work. I love it. And it works amazingly well. You know, you'd made a, a comment about a lot of the people that listen to these albums aren't necessarily reggae fans. Well, I happen to be a huge reggae fan, and I'm also a huge Radiohead fan. So what first Great. got my attention, yeah, was Radio Dread. And it, it's, it's, it's up there with not only one of my favorite remakes of any album or any record, but my favorite record maybe in general to listen to. Like, I always have that on when I'm you know, doing work, when I want to focus, when I want to relax. It does so many different, uh, I mean, it's a great, it's a great piece of art done by Radiohead. Wow. You guys did an amazing p- job with it. Uh, probably listened to it 10,000 times. Who knows? Uh, all, all <laughs> Thank your, you. Wow, yeah, no, absolutely. All your creations must mean a lot to you. Um, do you have, and I know it's a tough question. I apologize right up front, but do you have a favorite of all the ones you've ever done? Um. Yeah, that's a tough question. You know, um, I, I don't, I, I would say like right now, I'm going to say that our latest album, which is coming out, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but on April uh, 21st of yes. 2023, um, uh, Ziggy Startup, which is the reimagining of David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust. And I'm really, I'm very happy with it. Um, and I'm going to say right now it's my favorite, maybe because it's just on my mind. Sure. Um, but really, I feel like every every time I produce anything, whether it's a song or an album in any genre, I always feel like I'm learning and getting better. And I feel like maybe with this one, I've finally achieved what I've been trying to achieve with all these uh, wow. TV Star All Stars albums. Yeah, but maybe not. That's amazing. I mean, the first signal, guys, is out. Um, you know, it's Starman with Maxi Priest and. I was waiting for it to come out, and when it, I think it came out on the 20th of January or something like that, and as soon as it came out, I listened to it, and I'm a huge Bowie fan too, and I put it on, and literally, I had goosebumps. Like, the opening wow. of that, yeah, no, I mean, really, it, it was just like, holy moly. So I cannot wait for that album to come out uh, in any any form. I, I highly recommend it, guys. April 21st, Thank go you. find it. It's It's truly special. Um, let's get back to Radiohead for one second. So Tom York sure. is uh, notoriously hard to please. He's not the he's not the happiest guy all the time, uh, and, he, and he's generally unimpressed uh, with most things. But he stated that um, your cover of that album, that record, and specifically the cover of Let Down, is one of his favorite versions of that song. And I believe the guitarist Greenwood said the same thing high praise from a guy that doesn't give much in the way of praise. So what does that feel like, you know, to be the person responsible for taking something that's already considered, you know, I mean, absolutely it's on a top 20 list of the last 30, 50 years, pick a, pick a range. And then to take it and to make the people that created that art, praise it to that extent, like that, that's gotta be incredible. Uh, yeah, it feels great. It's humbling. Um, it it's uh you know for all the people who say i that i or we shouldn't do this because you know taking a classic and and reinterpreting it is sacrilege i think that's the best answer for it which is the creators of right. the original 
loved our version. Um, so yeah, it really, it really feels great. Um, you know, obviously we do this because for the fans, we want the listeners and the fans to, uh, enjoy this music, but certainly to impress the creators of the original music is really a special feeling because, you know, people like, you know, Tom York or, or David Gilmore, we just have so much respect for them. Um, you know, I do as, as a musician, as a songwriter, as a producer. So to get any accolades from them is, is really, really incredible. And I, I still kind of remember the feeling of first hearing that apparently Tom York, they were doing a tour, I think it was around the Hill to the Chief album, mm-hmm. and they were playing in Philadelphia, and Tom York announced from the stage, like he said, oh, you guys have to hear this new version this of uh, this wow. ska version featuring uh, Toots and the Maytiles of, uh, of Let Down. And um, somehow that got back to us, and I I couldn't believe it, you know, because Tom York is known for not even necessarily talking too much during a concert, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very very cool. Awesome. Uh, what are your thoughts on the presence of interdimensional beings uh, all around us? Um, I think it's irrelevant. Okay. That is, I don't. I'm sorry, maybe that's not the answer you're looking for, but um, I really don't care if there are interdimensional beings all around us. I'm really just concerned with having good relationships with the human beings around me and and my cat and other animals. Um, And, you know, just trying to be a good person. And and like, I don't, if there are interdimensional beings around us, I don't know if my behavior is affecting them in a positive or negative way. But I can, I think it's pretty easy to tell with other people, sure. whether your behavior is, is affecting them in a positive or negative way. So that's what I like to concentrate on. I love it. And that is exactly the answer I was looking for. I, I was looking for your oh, answer. Cool. So there you go. Um, oh, hey. What was your first live musical event that you attended? Well, um, probably, I don't know how many times you've asked this on your podcast. I think most people are probably have the same answer as I'm about to give you, which is uh, when I was three years old, um, (laughs) my parents took me to see Donnie and Maria Osmond. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so like most people, that was my introduction to live music. What a riot. Yeah, I've asked that question probably 40 times. And I've never gotten that answer. So, um, oh wow, yeah. I thought thought everyone's first experience (laughs) with music was Donnie and Maria, but so I don't actually. I don't even remember enjoying it. But uh, I mean, it's so long ago. Yeah, yeah. So I know I was there. I'll ask a different one. So, what was the best live performance that you've seen? Oh my god, it's so difficult. You know, I mean, I've seen so many great shows. The best live performance. Well. I'm going to change your question a little, if Please, you don't mind. I'm going to say the most, okay, I'm going to say a transformative live performance was uh, in a, when I was, I think, 15, I saw Third World and Yellow Man. Oh, it was my first reggae concert, actually. And Third World, I mean, I knew the Third World and Yellow Man's material you know, but not really well, but Third World blew me away with uh, the quality of their songs and their performance and their musicianship. And I have to say that that I think was was instrumental 
pardon the pun, in, in setting me down the path of doing what I do. Um, just seeing how they put on a show that no matter what your knowledge of reggae was or what your preferences were with music, I don't see how anyone couldn't have been impressed by and enthralled by their show. Um, so to go on to actually then know members of Third World and work with them was really one of the greatest thrills of my career. Amazing. And actually today, the day we're, we are recording this, February 6th, is uh, Bunny Ruggs, the lead singer of Third World, uh, Will and Clark. It was, it was, he passed away, unfortunately, some years ago. But today is the anniversary of his birth. So oh. apropos that we are speaking of it. Absolutely. Um so I, I think you've also worked with Steel Pulse. Steel Pulse is one of my favorites. I, I saw them in the early 90s. I saw them in the 2000s. I saw them in 2010s. And then I saw them again, almost 2020, not quite, right before COVID, 2019. And so from 1990, I think it was three or four that I saw them, to 2019, it was amazing to me how like how they still sounded so Im- amazing and great and just put on a show. And they really, to your point, anyone that enjoys music, seeing a show like that, if you don't appreciate what they're doing, then you're not really a fan because you can just tell they're giving like their soul, their heart and soul is in that performance. It was, it's just amazing. Yeah, they, they are, they are great. And I've had the pleasure of becoming friends uh, with the two remaining original members of Steel Pulse, David Hines and Selwyn Brown. And uh, they're great guys. Um, and it, yeah, again, it's just an honor to work with, with my, my, my heroes. You know, it's really an amazing and humbling thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're, you're in the record business for a long time. Most of us aren't. For those of us, you know, us who are not in the record business, help us understand what the process is to start working on such a project. So when I think about all these different masterpieces that you've reimagined you know my my unfortunately my analytical brain always goes to oh i wonder what that's like do they have to do they have to reach out to pink floyd do they have to reach out to the publishing house like is is that easy is that process easy in the grand scheme of things or is there a lot of uh you know back and forth to try to get the ability to do that i don't even know understand how it works or can you just do it and as long as you're providing the rights to them you can you can go ahead and remake it like how does that work well, it's a little um, complicated in the sense that there's okay. So when people people cover songs all the time, right? Um, and you can get something called a compulsory mechanical license, which means that as long as you pay the royalties at the rate that the, they're called mechanical royalties, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to get into that, but they're called mechanical royalties. As long as you pay them, then you can you can cover anyone's song, but the same uh, law, not law, code, whatever, says that only you can only do that in, if you don't change the composition fundamentally. Okay. Now, no one has ever defined what fundamentally means in this case, so it's a gray area. So we have always... Uh, erred on the side of caution, as they say, and we do contact the publishers ahead of time, try to make sure that what we're doing is okay. Um, And it's a great thing we do that. Say with um, certain publishers have been okay with us um, 
adding or or changing lyrics to um, to an extent. Sure. And certain publishers have not been okay. So, which is fine. That's their right. But it's great to be able to know that because um, we we would not want to say, for example, on Dub Side of Moon, we had Jamaican DJs add verses to songs in place of solos. We just felt that would be more true to reggae. Um, and we got permission to do that from the publishers. Mm-hmm. Had we not gotten permission and we just put it out and then they might have said, well, we don't approve of that. And then it would have had you know, sent a cease and desist letter to us and we have to pull everything off of the, the shelves or off of DSPs and all that stuff. So um, it makes a lot of sense for us to, to do everything above board. Um, and in terms of the actual acts, yes, we also deal with their management um we've always been helpful um in this in this case obviously david bowie had passed away so we had to deal with his estate which is right. the same as when we dealt with the michael jackson album we had to deal with the estate and or often it's just a lawyer or one person who's managing the estate um and it, that's also it's good to communicate with them because um then there may be certain guidelines in terms of using um like the likeness and image of the artist that they may not want us to do, you know, so at least we can make all that very clear. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not uh, a difficult process, except that it can take a while to get answers, understandably. Um, uh, So that, that can, doesn't really throw a wrench in things. It just slows things down sometimes. Um, You know, but all of that is, easy compared to actually the process of you know arranging and producing recording and mixing all the music that's that's what takes a bulk of the, the bulk of the time and effort yeah yeah well that's cool um thank you for for the insight there and, and that's you know a little bit different than what i was thinking but it, like you said it's always uh it's always different right who every every single artist is going to have a different team and a different perspective on things and the good news is you've been able to make them all I love the way you guys teased uh, Ziggy Stardub and you guys had like a countdown, like you started with a big, you know, all the album covers, then you kept like breaking it down and then you brought it to six, I think, and then you brought it to four. Maybe it was, I forget the final number before you, before you revealed what it was. Um, so as a, as someone who's also a big Clash fan, is there hope that at some point in the future, maybe you might still do London Calling? Well, there's always hope, isn't there? There is. Yeah, shouldn't you just be hopeful about <laughs> anything you could think about? Yes. Why? Why approach things with pessimism and negativity? That never does Amen. good for anyone. Just, just, just always have hope. Always have a positive outlook. And, I am so with you on that. Yes. Yes. And that's all I can say about it. Okay. Fair enough. Um, what are your thoughts on the fact that right now there's somebody in a lab who's programming an AI bot? to have high levels of sarcasm and a serious attitude problem. I'm all for it. I mean, if we're going to be, have to deal with AI um, on the level of it, basically taking over our lives as individuals and society, I at least want it to be sarcastic. Um, <laughs> and, you know, cause I can, I can be very sarcastic and I, I would appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, yes, I hope they do that. Keep it real, right? Yeah. All right, so you've lived in New York City for a long time since you were a young boy. Uh, so can you please clear up 
once and for all, for everyone here in the audience and listening at home, where is the best place to get a slice of pizza in New York City? Wow. That is, that's a great question, but not the greatest question for me because I, for the last like 10 years, I've been gluten-free and dairy-free. Okay. So I haven't had real pizza in so long. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't give a great answer now because I, I haven't had it in a long time, but growing up, I had a lot of great pizza. Um, and I, I, you know, I've had pizza in other parts of the country and parts of the world, but I got to say, I've always enjoyed a good New York slice better than pizza from anywhere else. Um, there have been people that have tried to, um, recreate, New York pizza in different parts of the country, specifically Florida, and they just can't do it. The water, same with bagels. There's certain things that the water is just a certain makeup that you can't recreate it anyplace else. So it's a great city to get a lot of different foods. Um, okay. Yeah. So you're obviously a creator, a producer of music, uh, but you're also a, a, a musician as well. Um, what's your favorite type of music to play if you're just going to sit down and play music on your own not as part of a project but what do you enjoy playing the most um i would say probably like uh r&b and soul um which is also probably my favorite genre of music if i have to categorize things anyway but yeah just you know i'll often just pick up my guitar and just start playing uh you know, an old Isley Brothers song yeah. or Wind and Fire or just making up something, you know, in that lane, you know, just using my knowledge of, of harmony from that, that genre. Yeah, nice. that's definitely it. Nice. Uh, you'd mentioned earlier, you know, the always have a positive mindset, growth mindset. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's one of the keys uh, to being happy, really, is always keeping that positive switch on. Um, what are your thoughts uh, slightly a bit of a tangent off that statement, but what are your thoughts on karma? Um, much like my thoughts on uh, interdimensional beings, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I guess you saw that coming. Um, I find karma to be, I you know, and I certainly, I don't want to denigrate anyone else's religious beliefs because i understand i know that it is an important part of of uh hinduism and buddhism right but to me again it's not relevant that is i don't think i would never do something good in the hopes of good returning to me um and you know whether you're talking about karma in the strict sense of hinduism and buddhism Mm -hmm. of, of then leading to um how you are reincarnated mm-hmm. or just the idea of what goes around comes around. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't believe in it. I think you should do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing and, and for the sake of being good to other people. Um, so, you know, but I'm happy that the concept of karma exists because then we have the song karma police. That's right. By Radiohead, so, and that's, yeah. that's nothing wrong with that. Um, all right. What book are you reading right now? Oh, well, <laughs> I have to give an honest answer. I am reading a book on the history of the Nets, the basketball team. Sure. Um, Because I'm a Nets fan, and 
I've been a, a Nets fan since the early 80s. So the book about their whole history through New Jersey. And now, I, I mean, I'm still in the New Jersey part. Right. Um, they will get to Brooklyn. So I, I, most of the books I read, um, I read about music. I, love, I read a lot of music um, biographies or and memoirs. In fact, I just finished Chuck, uh, the, the new Chuck Berry biography, which is very interesting. Um, recommend that to any any fans of music um, because it's not just about Chuck Berry's life; it's really about the world that he lived in, and you know, uh, racism and and how society functions. Um, I found it very very fascinating. Um, but I'm usually reading about music or sports or history. Um, that's that's my three main things I read about, and uh, I, I, yeah. How do you feel about the Kyrie trade? Oh, wow. I mean, I'm okay with it because it just probably, it was probably going to, there's probably going to be problems, you know, every couple weeks or every couple of months with him. Yeah. So I guess it's good, but it's very hard to get, um, to replace all uh, his talent and all the, the good intangibles. Um, right. I do. I do love Spencer Dinwiddie, so I'm happy to get him back. But hoping they'll make another trade. Oh, well, by the time this airs, unless you're airing it tonight, I don't really don't know. Um, hopefully they'll they'll, they'll swung a trade for someone else really great because I would love to see a championship in Brooklyn at some point in the near future. But it's also just basketball, and uh, go. I gotta. No, I can't get too upset about it. Although my daughter sometimes does. Um, get very very upset uh, about the Nets when they lose, or actually Kyrie was her favorite player. She's very oh, unhappy boy. they got traded, but yeah. she'll get over it. Hey, passion in sports. Th- there's nothing wrong with that. Um, have you yeah. read just real quick two musical uh, biographies that that I've read that I really enjoyed? Did you read uh, Keith Richards? Um, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I read that. You know, quite a few years ago. It's yeah. pretty uh, a lengthy tome. Um, Certainly, yeah, very interesting. That was good. And then Scar Tissue, uh, Anthony Kytus, that was pretty good, too. Um, I did not read that. My wife read that one. Um, I'm not, like, a big Chili Peppers fan. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, sometimes I read books about artists that I'm not really a fan of as well. So, um, in fact, I, I just a few weeks ago, I read the biography, the autobiography of Kenny Loggins, who I never really cared about his music at all. Right. Um, but it was interesting to read. You know, that's cool. Part of part of you know part of life in America is hearing all his music. You know, and and you don't even know like you know there's some songs by him that I don't even know were by him necessarily. You know, and so it was it was pretty cool. Was Kenny Loggins? Yeah. Was he the one that had a really heat crippling fear of performance? Like he did not like to perform. Is that is that him? Uh, no, I no? don't think that was that was, was not him. part of his thing. Um. That's all right. Yeah, my, my memories. Just Barbara Streisand apparently is very, uh, very has a lot of stage fright, but I wow. don't think you'd confuse Kenny Loggins and Barbara Streisand. Not every day. No, not every day. No. Um, so you've been in the record industry for a long time, uh, and there's been a ton of you know huge seismic changes. You know, uh, yeah. from the time you started to now, you know, the internet alone, streaming, uh, just everything turned on its head. I mean, I think you and I are pretty close to the same age, and I mean, I, I'm looking, I'm staring at my my cassette CD collection, my, my cassette collection, and then right next to it's my CD collection. 
Um, you know, and so the, the entire landscape of, of music has flipped around. Um, some for the good, some, you know, it's questionable, right? Um, what do you see anything on the horizon, any other changes for how people get and consume music moving forward? Well, what I hope for is that um, the entire internet will crash, which I guess is not good for podcasts. And um, basically the only way people will be able to listen to music would be um, in the old school way. Um, even, you know, we could keep it strictly analog. Like maybe you can't even listen to CDs. You just got to listen to records and cassettes um, or live music. And you can't, you wouldn't be able to produce music unless you actually knew how to do it in a studio using a tape machine. Um, but I can't say that's a prediction. That's just a, a fantasy. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know what to, I don't know what to predict. You know, things change every, sometimes it's like they, they it seems like they change every week. Yeah. It's so hard to make any kind of forecast about the future in the music business. Um, something's going to come along that's going to, you know, TikTok will be completely, outdated you know six months from now and something else that's even more ridiculous though will come along um and be like oh um you can only listen to music in three second clips right and that's how kids will consume music and you know they'll be like oh god it's too long to listen to a (laughs) 30 second long thing or 15 second long tiktok you know three seconds that's all that and then everyone's attention spans are going to get shorter so although i talk about being a an optimist. I do. Uh, I do. I have to say, I have some fear of things continuing to go down the drain in terms of, of music consumption. Yeah, that's horrifyingly possible for sure. Um, okay, so Mount Rushmore is a national landmark. It's got four presidents up there, um, and let's just say for a moment you could wave a magic wand, and instead of there being four presidents' faces, there would be four album covers, four records. Wow. And this is Michael's uh, Mount Rushmore. This is your okay. Mount Rushmore. What are the four okay. records on this mountain? Okay, so I need some clarification. Please. Are these because you said you said album covers. You're saying my favorite album covers or my favorite album? Oh, excellent clarification. So I'm going to say your favorite records. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um all right, I'm going to try to be quick cuz that's a tough one. I know. Um Okay, I'm going to say, and can I put, say, some kind of, like a compilation Yep. that is an actual album, but could that be included? Absolutely, 100%. Okay. Yep. I mean, I'm not sure I will, but, um, okay, I'm going to say, um, well, Polonius Monk is my favorite composer and musician probably but i love so many of his albums Mm. um wow i'm gonna say uh, this will change tomorrow but i'm going to say brilliant corners by felonious monk okay um i will say um extensions of a man by donny hathaway Mm. um I will say Handsworth Revolution by Steel Pulse. Yes. And one more. Um, I'm trying to stay away from like greatest hit things. It seems such a cheap answer. 
Um, hmm. Okay, uh, sticking with I've got Extensions of a Man. I'm going to say uh, Pieces of a Man by uh, Gil Scott Heron. Amazing. That's great. That's a but great list. interview me tomorrow and it'll be for other records. Fair enough. Does a stitch in time always save nine? Definitely not. Definitely not. Some things Definitely you just not. can't avoid. I mean, Some things that are just going to fall apart no matter what you do. Is that is that basically what it is? No, I just have no real idea what, what that means. So I'm just going to say no. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I won't bore you with what it means. Um, all right. So what are you listening to now? Is there any new music? Because obviously you've got a grasp on, you know, a, a million different types of music. But is there anything that's come out recently, say in the last six to 12 months, that you're like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Uh, you know, that's something that I haven't heard before. And it's kind of got your ear. Okay. Um, well, I've recently gotten into Salt, S-A-U-L-T. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know them or it's really one guy, I think, and people who he works with i think that's some of the most interesting music i've heard lately um there's an up-and-coming artist that that i'm really digging but i can't even mention him because i might work with him and you know that just seems a little weird sure um um there are there's a couple of artists on on easy star that i really love we're putting out their albums later this year uh, Mortimer and Samory I, and both of them also sing on Ziggy Startup. And I obviously I'm biased, but I really, really, really love their albums. Um, I just think it's you know, some of the best stuff to come out of Jamaica in in the decade. You know, so I'm very excited about that. And because of the nature of my work, often I'm mainly listening to music that I'm working on or right. that Easy Star is putting out, even if I didn't produce it. You know, so. I don't always get to listen to other stuff. Um, so that's why, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, searching through playlists to find cool new stuff, you know? Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, and sometimes my kids actually will be listening to something and I'll be like, Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. But, um, I've, I've also, um, I've been working with uh, the singer Alan Stone. Uh, we, we wrote a song together, uh, actually like less than two weeks ago. And I've in preparation for that, I was listening to a lot of his more recent stuff and, and I really, really, really love it. He's an amazing singer and songwriter. Um, and one of the reasons I got so into him is because my 15 year old daughter really loves him. So that was kind of cool to, you know, like I've spent years influencing my kids and now they're sometimes influencing me it's really nice yeah totally it's, that's happened a few times with my kids as well and i'm always like how'd you guys find this have you speaking of which have you heard of uh two shrimps uh no no <laughs> i had <laughs> I neither now i have to and uh my, my my daughter i think i think my daughter sent it over to me and i'm just like whoa what is this it just sounded so different it just it's nice to it's nice to still know that there is music that's being created that makes you kind of pause for a second because, you know, there have been times where I wonder, like, are, are there going to be any more um, things that aren't, you know, uh, that are just kind of churned out of a factory, but they're still out there, which is great, you know? Oh, um, yeah. Definitely. I, I, and I'm, can I tell a short story? Oh, my God, of course. 
Well, um, I don't remember what year this came out. It might have been five years ago now, but um, I got, so I, I really like Kamasi Washington, the jazz saxophonist and composer. And, um, you know, I, sometimes I feel, you know, I kind of lament that all my favorite jazz artists and jazz albums, you know, are, are from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and like not a lot of new stuff that I love, but I do, I heard his, uh, he had a triple album, I think, called The Epic, which was really good, but I didn't own it. But then when uh, his last album, which is called Heaven and Earth, came out, um, I got a sampler with Mojo magazine. I subscribed to a great music magazine from the UK. Sure. And it was like the year end, like best of whatever year it was, 2018. Um, it was even 2017, and one of the songs from Kamasi Washington's new album, Heaven and Earth, was was included on this sampler. And I was listening to the sampler, and when his song came on, I was driving, and I I think I had to like pull over and just fully focus on this song. And Amazing. the song is like ten ten minutes long. Um, it's called You Will Sing, and it blew my mind. I still every time I listen to it, I get chills. And it renewed my faith in jazz. So that was pretty, pretty good for me. That's awesome. I love that. Um, this is a long shot. I know you have worked with John Brown's body. I think they're actually an easy star records artist uh, or were, um, do you know, Nate Edgar? Yeah, he's a, actually, it's funny cause, uh, I was just talking about him with my easy star partners today. Um, yeah, he's a great bass player. So this, this is the smallest world, right? So Nate Edgar, my mom ran a retail store in Portsmouth, New Hampshire for close to 40 years. And it was like your, your, I don't want to call it your typical hippie shop because it was like the best hippie shop of all time. But so Nate used to come in from the time he was, I think he started coming in was like 12, 13. And we saw his progression from, you know a kid that liked music and, you know, was trying to buy, you know, glass pipes and he was underage and all the way up through, you know, uh, what he is today, which is an amazing musician. And his brother uh, was my daughter's soccer coach in high school uh, for a couple wow. of years. Yeah. But Nate's a great guy. And um, I, I used to love going to see him play with, uh, with that band and any band he was That's in. He great. was in a band called Amorphous too. So shout out to Nate Edgar. Good guy. Yeah. Have, have you checked out, the Ant Power, his current, you know, thing that he's been doing for the last few years. No, I haven't. I haven't got a chance to see them, uh, and I don't think I've heard their stuff. I, I should though. Um, yeah, you check it out. Yeah, Ant Power, I like that. Um, okay, so only a couple more questions left here. Let's cool. just say that uh, either the Brady Bunch or Jersey Shore is permanently wiped from everybody's conscious and subconscious just across the globe, just, it just ceases to be, it never was. Nobody knows who, you know, what Marsha, Marsha, Marsha is. Nobody knows who Snooki is. It's just gone. And you get to make, you are the decision maker on which of those two pop culture, uh, creations, I guess you'd call it, get to stick around. Which one do you do away with? No one will ever know about one of these two, which one goes. But you couldn't have asked the easier question. I'm giving Jersey Shore the axe. You know, that's just, I think it's some terrible stuff. And, 
you know, I, I'm not into a lot of the reality stuff, but it just seems like reality TV. I'm into reality, but not reality TV, uh, which is really scripted. But it just, I think it promulgates people being nasty to each other, you know, and, and that kind of behavior. Definitely, I would love to see white from uh, the human consciousness. Amen. I love that. Okay, so you and I don't have a whole lot in common, but I think we're about the same age, and we were both DJs uh, for our college radio stations, respectively. Uh, and one of the mm-hmm. things, and back then I had all vinyl. It was just all vinyl. We just started getting CDs towards the end of my, I think, junior year, but we had a much better collection of vinyl. And one of the coolest things that I got to do as part of the radio station was interview bands that were going to be playing. So I got to interview the Smithereens. I got to interview the Beastie Boys, um, a few other you know, uh, bands as well. And it was just so cool to be a part of that. That's great. When you were a DJ at WKCR, did you ever get a chance to interview any bands or anything else kind of influential happened during that period of time? Uh, I didn't interview any bands, but I did one, one year. My show was on, um, I, I did like the, it was like 5 a.m. to 8.20 um, and then at 820, there was a very famous DJ who had a very famous show that, that, uh, came on after me. And like, I had grown up listening to him. Um, so his name was Phil Schaff. He actually just passed away, I think last year. Mm. Um, but you know, one of the, he's one of the most important jazz, radio jazz DJs in, in history, probably. Um, so it's pretty amazing to actually get to talk to him and learn from him and he actually like sometimes would like bring me albums and autograph them for oh, me which, so is, cool. which is cool i still have that yeah um so that yeah that that was that was really cool nice uh is there a uh, tour planned for easy star all-stars this summer fingers crossed yeah well we're working on a bunch of things we're uh going to be hitting parts of the united states um, uh, we've already actually started publicizing, uh, some dates in the UK. We're playing, you know, some festivals there, hopefully other parts of Europe. Uh, we're playing a big show in New York city in April on, uh, April 20th at Sony hall with sister Carol, who's one of the artists, one of the first artists I ever produced. So that's pretty amazing. Amazing. Um, and the cannabis cup band who are local guys that we've known for a long time Mm -hmm. um yeah so you know we're really looking forward to to bringing ziggy stardub to the public in the live format excellent uh all right and and to the the last question which is the easiest let's get all the the plugs out there so if somebody in our audience or someone who's listening at home is like i want to learn more about easy star records i want to learn more about uh, Ziggy Startup. I want to learn more about Easy Star All Stars. Where do these people go to find out uh, everything that you've got going on? What's next? Uh, where do we point these people? Uh, they should consult with their local interdimensional being. <laughs> um, no, uh, you know, uh, we have a website, easystar.com. There's also easystarallstars.net. Um, just to keep it funky. And then we're, you know, on social media, um, I believe on Twitter and Instagram, we are at easy star, all star. I guess we couldn't afford the last S, uh, we're, we're all over Facebook. Um, 
you know, where you, you can find, you know, if you go to any, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, any DSP and just put in Easy Star All Stars, you'll find plenty of stuff. Um, if people want to follow me, that's cool too. Um, my handle is Gold Swagger underscore G O L D S W A G G E R underscore. And that's for Twitter and internet. And you can find me using my actual name, Michael Goldwasser, on Facebook. Um, and also michaelgoldwasser.com. Excellent. How's that for plugs? That's, those are solid plugs right there. And, and just, just to make sure I'm not remiss on pointing some things out. So if you're a fan of music in general, uh, he, th- this guy has helped to create not only the, you know, the new one, Ziggy Stardub, and not only Radio Dread and Dub Side of the Moon, but also, let's not forget that he recreated uh, Sgt. Pepper's, uh, one of the Beatles classics. It's amazing. And he also recreated Michael Jackson's Thriller. So talk about some of the most iconic works. And I'm telling you that to each and every one of them, they all bring something new to the table and they stand alone, and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Michael. I really appreciate all the work that you've done, uh, all the art you've created. Uh, I can't wait for 421 to come out so we can get the, the whole, the, the whole uh, Ziggy Stardub experience, but that first single, man, it's magic. You did an amazing job, and, and if you could see here, the studio audience, they're on their feet, they're cheering. They've got big, huge wow. flags with the Easy Star All Stars uh, logo on it. Um, they can't wait for the album to come out either. I, I can't say it enough. It's been a true honor to have you on the show, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you, thank you so much. That I didn't even feel like twenty questions. It went by so so easily. Perfect. That's what I was hoping for. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, this guy's going to want to get get this over with. So I, I hope it wasn't. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't tedious. I'm glad it didn't seem like a long time. No, it was uh, great. And, and again, thanks for all your work, and thanks for being on the show, man. Have a great night. Thank you, Ethan. All right, take, take care. care. Bye. Bye.